This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, September 17th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. Another new idea from the White House, this one aimed at youth vaping. Ban flavored vaping products that are purportedly aimed at teenagers. The problem, as Cato's Jeff Myron points out, is that it will likely have perverse health effects, not the least of which is making actual cigarettes relatively more attractive. It will come as no surprise to uh, anyone at the Cato Institute, but I am a vapor uh, and used to smoke off and on a bit uh, as late as 2013. And since I discovered uh, vapable nicotine products, I am happy to say I haven't had a cigarette since, I don't know, middle of 2013. So um, the Trump administration is discussing or plans to uh, ban flavored e-cigarettes. What does that mean? Banning e-cigarettes, flavored e-cigarettes, means that the ability of people will not be able to buy versions of vaping products in standard stores that taste like fruit juices or have mint or menthol flavors, all sorts of other variations. They will still be able to buy the flavors that are tobacco, that are supposed to mimic the flavor of tobacco. So uh, it's weird because I think a lot of people who quit smoking and the uh, health consequences of cigarettes and tobacco products, uh, or I should say un, unrefined tobacco products in a way, are well-known, well-established. We've known at least since, oh, I'd say about the 1700s <laughs> that tobacco is not good for you. Um, so uh, I guess what does this mean in terms of harm reduction? That is trying to get people to stop using regular old tobacco products and move to something that is relatively safer. So the evidence would suggest that the move to ban the flavored products, if anything, is going to be perverse because at the margin, it's probably going to get some people to go back to using regular cigarettes rather than using the e-cigarettes, the vaping products. The key difference being that with regular cigarettes, you're getting both tar and nicotine, and the tar seems to be by far and away the most dangerous aspect of smoking cigarettes, the one that contributes to lung cancer, emphysema, and related diseases. Whereas the nicotine, while certainly able to cause harm in very large doses or misused, overall seems to be a fairly benign substance for most people at the amounts that they get from regular vaping. And so we're probably doing exactly the wrong thing from a harm reduction perspective. So why do it? What is the, what are the incentives, how are the incentives aligned that this seems like at least politically a good idea? Well, there are a couple factors. One is that in the last few weeks or months, there have been stories and reports that some people have died because of vaping that they had some sort of lung condition that was due to the vaping. And so there were deaths for the first time, allegedly uh, attributable to vaping. There also is a more substantial number of people, say several hundred apparently, maybe 500, who have some sort of lung issue, lung disease, lung dysfunction, again, allegedly related to vaping. Now, even if those numbers are exactly right and mean what they're asserted to mean, it's still a teeny, teeny, teeny fraction of all the people who vape. So by itself wouldn't necessarily suggest uh, a major response. The other factor is that the particular products that are being, are probably going to be banned, the flavored vaping products, allegedly are being used by the manufacturers to appeal to teenagers and getting them hooked, enticing them into vaping in the first place 
And the claim would be that this is a net negative because this is not people using vaping products to substitute away from regular cigarettes. This is people who are going to start consuming nicotine products who would otherwise not have consumed any nicotine product, whether a regular cigarette or an e-cigarette vaping product. Now, the evidence on that okay, is much, much harder to evaluate. What's clear is that over the last sort of five, 10 years, teen cigarette smoking has gone down quite noticeably, even while vaping has indeed gone up noticeably. The substitution from one to the other amongst teens seems very, very clear. And it may well be that the availability of the flavored products is helpful in getting teens to choose vaping over regular cigarettes. So again, the evidence does not support the, the current wisdom on what, what we should do about such products. I have long said uh, that uh, one of the problems that the public health community has with vaping in general is that it is a massive, massive harm reduction uh, technology that has been developed that the public health community had absolutely nothing to do with. I think that's probably fair. I think another factor in the public health community's reaction is that the vaping products are, again, to a significant degree, being sold by big companies, big companies associated with the pre-existing or existing cigarette companies. And they have such a negative view from the history of the cigarette companies that anything which seems to perpetuate anything related to the consumption of tobacco just has this emotional distaste for people from that perspective. And you know, some people would find it understandable to have negative feelings toward the history of uh, promotion of cigarette smoking in the, in the country, but that doesn't mean we're making the right decision by limiting access to the flavored vaping products. Is there anything in the mandate of the FDA that ought to be considered with respect to um, the policy moves with respect to tobacco and uh, particularly uh, vapable uh, nicotine products? Well, I mean, as always, the FDA's goals should be to promote the public health, not to simply ban products which are unpopular or ban products which might have some hint of some degree of danger. They need to take into account the full range of effects, including the substitution obviously of regular of a to nicotine flavored vaping product excuse me tobacco flavored nicotine uh, vaping products rather than just the flavored version so maybe you won't see any reduction in vaping by teenagers because they will simply go on uh, consuming the vaping products but the tobacco flavored versions or even worse they might switch uh, into cigarettes um, and the FDA, you know, is not thinking about the fact that sooner or later there will be products available on Amazon or on the dark web or wherever that allow you to circumvent the ban on the flavored products by buying some juice or some uh, additive that you put into your vape uh, that gets you back to having a flavored product despite the fact that you can't easily buy it in the 7-Eleven or, or, or such. With the admonition from me, a former cigarette smoker and certified nicotine addict, uh, kids don't vape, don't smoke. It is it is probably bad for you. Um, and there have been some public policy pushes to move the uh, acceptable age at which one can legally purchase tobacco products to 21, uh, when it is, of course, long been 18. Um, what does that mean for? the decisions that young people ought to be making for themselves with the help of, you know, their parents, with the help of uh, the the people that they trust in their lives. So I think that having the government more involved in the decisions that people in this age range are allowed to make 
um, in particular when it gets to be something like 21, mean that we're going to be teaching kids that rules are for suckers because all of our experience with cigarettes and, and alcohol, illegal drugs as well, is that teenagers do get access to these things, but they then consume potentially less safe versions of them because they're from gray markets or black markets. And they're encouraged to think that they don't need to respect rules generally, which is something that's not very good for society overall. So teenagers are certainly not going to be perfect decision makers about their own welfare. Even teenagers combined with their parents won't be perfect decision makers because after all, um, lots of parents are not perfect decision makers. But the presumption that the government knows best for all teenagers rather than deferring more to the teens and their parents, that seems to me counter to the spirit of liberty. Jeff Myron directs economic policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us and suggest show topics on Twitter at Cato Podcast.